0: Everyone and welcome to episode number 96 of the Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from A.W. Dynamite on TBS. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 156 of Rest of Topia continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and A.W. continues. And last night was A.W. Dynamite going down live from the Save March Center in Fresno, California. And I thought this was a great episode of Dynamite and a beautiful tribute to the late, great Jay Briscoe news that is still unbelievable nearly 48 hours after the fact and that show I put out Wednesday was probably one of the more difficult ones I've done and I have been emotional on the air You know me from the pandemic days. I was stressed during some episodes being very vulnerable and real. And that was a piece of that last night because Jay's death really shook a lot of people. And I'm thinking about his wife and his daughters, especially right now. Gracie did have surgery yesterday and we don't have an update right now. Hopefully Jay's wife will provide some details as to how the surgery went his other daughter Jaylee is doing fine and is in stable condition there is one update regarding the nature of the car crash which was released by the Delaware State Police Department in the last day or so and this was the result of a head on collision someone got into Jay's lane and it created this accident and the driver and Jay were killed instantly on the scene Jay was now wearing a seatbelt at the time of the accident his daughters were thankfully and hopefully they're both on the road to recovery there is more details to come out regarding the exact nature of the accident but this is still a lot to process so my thoughts go out to Jay's family and the other driver as well because I can only imagine what her family is going through as well so prayers up to everyone as this is really a tragic loss for the wrestling community and the outpouring of love is still coming through and AEW did tape a Ring of Honor tribute show following Dynamite and Rampage last night that will be released for free on Honor Club and YouTube at a date to be determined and I thought that was a classy move by Tony Khan and I just felt like last night's Dynamite was a beautiful tribute to Jay you can feel that everybody had their boots on last night saw several armbands paying tribute to Jay and it was just a really fun night of professional wrestling to take our minds off of some really bad news that really got us down in the last day or so and I needed that escape and I really enjoyed this show live from Fresno, California and I gotta say the West Coast shows just hit differently anytime that AEW goes to a new market it just feels a bit more exciting. The fans are hot and they were molten hot last night for a couple of matches in particular which I'll get to shortly but let's kick things off from the tippy top. Featuring Orange Cassidy versus Jay Lethal for the All-Atlantic Championship. A very fun way to kick off last night's Dynamite. And we had a storyline thread of Sanjay Dutt possibly being fired in storyline if Jay Lethal got any assistance from Jeff Jarrett or Satnam Singh during this matchup. And sneakily enough, Jarrett, Sanjay, and Satnam found their way in the front row to antagonize Orange Cassidy. And we had some quick action from Cassidy and Jay Lethal until Jay knocked Orange Cassidy off the ring apron onto the floor. And in doing so, Dan appears in the crowd to check the tickets of Sanjay Dunn and company. And he says, hmm... This looks a little suspicious. So we have the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Tripp take seats instead nearby as his match continues with Orange landing a dive on Jay Lethal on the outside. But in doing so, Jay regains control and sends Orange Cassidy into the ring post. And he has... Orange in position for the elbow drop off the top rope. But Orange Cassidy is such a sloth. Sometimes he slowly rolls away corner to corner to corner, popping the crowd. And I am laughing my ass off. And as Jay goes for another elbow drop, Orange gets the knees up, lands the stun Dog Millionaire, lands a couple of DDTs on Jay Lethal as well, goes up top for another DDT, misses, and that allows Jay to hit the Lethal combination for a very close near fall, lands Lethal Injection on Orange, but Orange rolls out of the ring to avoid being covered. And this leads to some shenanigans at ringside involving Jeff Jarrett trying to sneak the guitar to Jay Lethal, but Denhausen snuffs this out, and he is going to have Jay. Scurry back in the ring roll up Orange for a nail fall, but Orange recovers and lands the Orange Punch on Jay Lethal to retain the All-Atlantic Championship. After the match is over, we got Jarrett and Satnam Singh trying to beat up the best friends, but if they do so, Sanjay Duck could be fired, and Sanjay talks him down long enough for them to fight another day, but I really enjoyed the matchup. It was a lot of fun. Orange Cassidy is so over as a babyface, and I have prayed for times for him to be a fighting champion in AEW, and he's a solid All-Atlantic champion thus far every championship defense has been a hit and here's another fun observation from last night's opening match for the first time since forever we did not get a picture in picture during the opening match of dynamite it reminds me of the good old days 20 minutes of clean wrestling off top and i loved it let's keep that approach going aw and tbs give me a opening match that goes bell to bell for 20 good minutes, and I'm good. And I felt that way last night, and I was pleasantly surprised. As we segue to Top Flight's Dante and Darius Martin versus the Young Bucks, and this match was great. And Top Flight have been edging lately. Fighting the Blackpool Combat Club, a combination of John Moxley and Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli, and they went to the limit on Rampage and Dynamite. And I was pulling for Dante and Darius, but last night I was pleasantly surprised. I did not see the outcome coming. I was like, holy shit. This is big for them because we go back in time two years ago. It was Top Flight versus the Young Bucks. It was at Dayless Place in Jacksonville. We are deep in the pandemic era and they had a standout match and they lost to the Bucks. But last night, this was a full circle moment. It was Fresno, California. The fans are hyped and Dante was getting his ass kicked early on by the Bucks, despite him delivering a nice high kick to the head to Nick Jackson. Matt and Nick are going to do a double team spot on Darius with double foot stomp, followed by Nick rolling through with a backstabber on Dante in the corner. As we go picture in picture, we come back and Dante is trying to make the high tag to Darius, but the Bucks cut him off, land a bulldog into risky business for a near fall. Dante rolls through with a double arm drag and hits a head scissors on Matt and that least Darius making the high tag and he is going wild on the Bucks. Lands a standing Spanish fly on Matt followed by a dive on the floor to Nick. Darius goes on the top rope for a cross body on Matt for two. As well Matt and Nick recover and they have Darius' position for the mouse driver until Dante trips up Nick and that allows Darius to land a flat liner on Matt. Dante wipes out Nick with a dive on the outside and we have top flight deliver this absolutely sickening doomsday Powerbomb into the nosedive on Matt for the win until Nick breaks up the pin at the last possible moment. At one point, the Young Bucks. One wild on top flight once again with Nick landing a face buster on Darius, a moonsault on Dante on the outside, followed by a destroyer on Darius for a near fall. We get some This Is Awesome chance as Nick and Matt have Darius up for the doomsday device in honor of the Briscoes on a very somber night. Dante breaks up that pin attempt in a great spot as well. From there Dante is going to go for a dive on the outside, but he is going to get wiped out with a double super kick by the Bucks. The Bucks have Darius lying in wait for the BT E. Trigger, but instead the Bucks land knee to knee and Darius Martin rolls up Matt Jackson for the flash pin victory. The biggest win in Top Flight's career, beating their idols, the Young Bucks, and I was happy. I was so happy for them because they needed a signature win on TV. It's been far too long and this made them last night. Now I go back to week two of Dynamite back in 2019. And it was the Bucks versus Private Party and Private Party upset the Bucks in the inaugural AEW World Tag Team Championship tournament. And they peaked at that moment, they never got back to where they were nearly four years ago. They've had fleeting moments here and there, but they've stalled out. And I hope that does not happen for Top Flight, who I think has a world of potential to be one of the greatest tag teams to ever do it if both men stay healthy, especially Darius. Because his hot tags are everything, and when he is on with his brother, they're magnificent. So I hope that this win is going to catapult them to the next level. There's two ways to go about this. Have them in line for a tag team title shot against the acclaimed at Revolution in March. Or you have AR Fox join them. They did win that trios battle royale a few weeks ago during the holidays on Rampage. And they will face the Bucks and Kenny Omega in a trios match for the trios championship. That could be money as well. So there's two ways to go with this. But I love the fact that Top Flight won this match and it was a big victory for them to really submit them as true players in the AEW tag team division and the Bucks lose nothing it should be noted by Excalibur they have not teamed traditionally as a tag team since they dropped the titles back in July to serve all glory and Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs back in Savannah that's how long it's been since the Bucks have teamed up in a traditional sense two-on-two, and it was a nice, fun stat by Excalibur to let us know that maybe, despite the trio's aspects of it all, you could be rusty as a tag team that have not done duo work as of late. So I love that thread in the story that will give Top Flight options for the Tag Team Trios Championship down the road. So I'm here for the rematches and fresh matchups heading into Revolution in a couple of months time on pay-per-view. All in all, great match. Happy for Top Flight. Here's hoping this is the beginning of great things for them in 2023. Next up is Ricky Starks versus Jake Hager. And this was... All right. For what it was, I love Ricky Starks with him fighting with Jake Hager over the damn bucket hat was a bit much, even though I did laugh at him doing a rope walk while wearing the hat until Jake Hager broke things up and booted him on the outside. As we go picture in picture, we come back and we have the JAS causing trouble at the ringside. We have Menard and Parker trying to put Starks through a table that backfires. And we have Starks land a tornado DDT on Hager for two Menard and Parker try to run distractions at ringside, but failed to do so. And Starks hits a spear on Hager for the win. He wants through the crowd to avoid the beatdown by the Jericho Appreciation Society. Jericho's livid on commentary as his beef must continue. And it's a fine feud, but it's not particularly special to me. And I keep thinking about Daniel Garcia and where he was four months ago. And he was in a position to be a babyface star on the show rebuking and rebuffing Chris Jericho's ideology of what it means to be a sports entertainer. Daniel Garcia could be a kick-ass star in the Blackpool Combat Club and I think it's backward storytelling for him to fight Sami Guevara eventually to get free from Jericho because you had your opening months ago but I digress and the fact that he cannot even beat Jericho for the Ring of Honor Championship to really thread this storyline together makes this arc even more disappointing and I don't care for Garcia versus Guevara at this point it'll be a good match but the emotional weight of Garcia being free from JAS via Brian Danielson that was the ticket last fall and I think AEW dropped the ball and now we got Ricky Starks in this he beat Jericho loved it I want more for Ricky too away from Jericho and company in the very near future next up is my favorite match of the night it was Brian Danielson versus Bandito and the fans loved themselves some Bandito. This guy was a baby face. He was a star and Danielson played into being a bit of a heel during this matchup. It was physical. It was bruising. It was a technical masterpiece and both guys put on a show and they worked their asses off. I loved the dueling Romero specials by Danielson and Bandito. Bandito locks in first, Danielson follows through with his own, but Bandito fights through the pain and he has a crazy submission pin attempt on Danielson. But Danielson is going to use his core strength to lift himself off the mat, elevate himself Face-to-face with Bandito, and he's going to headbutt himself out of a predicament. I loved it. The spot was so creative, and Danielson's core strength is ridiculous. Eventually, Bandito lands a tope and a tope on Danielson as we go picture-in-picture with Danielson back in control, and he locks in the Romero special on picture-in-picture, which I appreciate as well. We come back from break, and we have a chop battle. In the middle of the ring, we have Danielson land uppercuts as well. He goes for a moonsault out of the corner right into a Bedino super kick. A spitting moonsault crossbody leads to a stalling vertical suplex by Bandito. He lifts up Danielson and it's like, can he hold him up? And then he lifts him up high over his head. The fans are popping as he is so damn over and good on this night. Eventually, Bandito goes for a frog splash. Danielson gets the knees up and locks in a label lock, but Bandito gets to the ropes to break the hold. From there, we have this absolutely crazy exchange in the ring with Danielson landing kicks, but Bandito's going to block the home run shot and land a GTS out of a torture rack. And Danielson ate that knee, And I loved it. Bandito goes for the twenty-one plex, but Danielson is going to flip out of that, and he is going to go for a cradle on Bandito. Bandito follows suit. Eventually, both men are trading forearm strikes back and forth. The fight does go up top, and Bandito lands his signature avalanche moonsault into a follow-up slam, followed by the twenty-one plex for a very close near fall on Danielson. From there, we have a slap battle, a strike battle. The fans are hot. Danielson goes for a brain buster, goes for a bell lock, and Bandito keeps fighting out of those counters. And eventually we have a backslide into the knee by Danielson to finally put Bandito away. What a professional wrestling match. Best thing on the show by far. Danielson and Bandito just worked beautifully together. It was a lovely match in front of a hot crowd. That adored Bandito on this night. And in a different world, if there were not championship stakes for Danielson, I would have had him win this match. His day will come. Hopefully, MGF antagonizes Danielson on the big screen ahead of their presumed AEW World Championship match at Revolution. If Danielson could survive the next few matchups up until January 8th, I believe we shall see. But what a showcase for Danielson once again. And Bandito was right there with him, blow for blow counter for counter and it was beautiful to watch from beginning to end next up is willow nightingale versus tony storm and last night we got a couple of confirmations first off Hakar shida is in the right period Number two, Sareah and Tony Storm are the mean girls of AEW. They think they are the WWE originals, and they know better, and they are better than the AEW originals, and that is where the beef lies. I will say that I'm glad Tony Khan realized that Akar Rashida would never be viewed as a villain. Point blank, period. However, Sareah and Tony Storm, very unlikable as heels right now, and rightfully so. I still think it's a choice for Sareah who is coming back from a five-year layoff due to a neck injury to be viewed as a heel. I think the presentation from week two has ruined her return in terms of her being over as a baby face. I go back to her debut at Arthur Ashe Stadium and the reception was amazing. That one week pop will never be duplicated and I felt as if AEW dropped the ball with her saying she's better than Brit. She's done more than Brit. She's better than the locker room. It was a lot. And the fans turned because they're very protective of their AEW OGs. Brit especially. And now you got this heavy-handed storyline of Soraya and Tony versus the locker room that they think is lesser than. And I am mixed on it. But at least Tony Khan realized that a Shida will never be booed. And that's all that I care about at the end of the day. Meanwhile, Willow Nightingale versus Tony Storm was a solid match. Willow Nightingale shows off her strength of the shoulder block early on, followed by a low cross body. For two, Nightingale does a cartwheel out of an Irish rip, which is really impressive. And Tony Storm is going to offer a handshake, but she slaps Nightingale, which signals her heel turn and delivers a hip attack to Nightingale on the outside. As we go to commercial break, we come back from picture in picture and Storm is going to... Maintain control until Nightingale fires up with a few corner lariats, a spine buster, and the mixed direction pounce after surviving the sweet cheek music in the corner and a spitting DDT by Storm for two. Eventually, Willow lands her cannonball in the corner, goes for the Dr. Bomb until Soraya jumps on the apron, which allows Tony to roll up Nightingale for the tainted victory. After the match is over, Soraya and Tony Storm show their true colors by attacking Willow Nightingale until Ruby Soho makes a save. And it should be noted that her cover sheet was at ringside watching all of this after being told to stay backstage by Soraya and Tony Storm earlier in the day. And Sheeta is confused and shocked by Soraya and Tony Storm's actions. And we'll see where this goes. Sheeta is not wrong. I want to clarify that again. But I still think that this is a choice for AEW to turn Soraya Hill. This is a slam dunk babyface comeback story from an injury that kept her on the shelf for five years. And now she is a WWE infiltrator on AEW TV recruiting Tony Storm for a cause. And it's just choices. I get it because A.W. Bongo Soraya's run after week two, no lie. She went for Brit hard and the fans resented in her for it. And I'm glad that Tony pivoted, but damn, how do you botch a babyface comeback story of this magnitude? I do not know. And I think back to Edge's return at the 2020 Warrior Rumble three years ago and his return was flawless. He had a story to tell and share, and it was beautifully received. On the flip side, I think about Daniel Bryan's return to WWE roughly five years ago, from a serious head injury, and it was a fine return. It was kind of bungled by WWE, him feuding with Big Cass and The Miz, and then he wins the WWE Championship in controversial fashion against AJ Styles on a SmackDown on a random Tuesday night, and he turns heel, and he's the planet's champion. It was supposed to boost somebody that wants to save the environment. Choices by WWE and AEW to make conquering baby faces coming back from career threatening injuries villains. Weeks and months into their return. It's a weird flex. But in the case of AEW, if you know you fucked up, just lean into the hill turn and let other people shine, such as Willow Nightingale, Ruby Soho, and hopefully Sheeta as well, who is still my favorite AEW Women's World Champion outside of, at this point, Jamie Hayter. So that's really good company to be a part of. Just saying. As we segue to the main event of last night's dynamite, it's Darby Allen versus Kushida for the TNT Championship. This match was my second favorite match from last night as I love Kushida dearly and his surgical approach to taking out an arm should be admired and respected. And we have some LA Dojo representation from New Japan in the form of Kevin Knight and OKC. The match starts off evenly enough with dueling chance for both guys by the fans in Fresno who've been hot all night long. We have a great series of counters and submissions as Kushida goes for the ankle. Darby quickly tries a hip toss but Kushida flips out of that into a snap drop kick as well. Allen ducks a baseball slide and sends Kushida into the railing on the outside back inside the ring. Kushida is going to punt out the arm of Allen and goes for the hoverboard lock. Allen goes for a springing coffin drop but Kushida is going to land a forearm strike instead. Allen blocks a Pele kick and his a cold red of Kashida for two. Kashida rolls in the outside to recover and in doing so Allen wipes out Knight and OKC with the dive on the outside. Kashida is going to go for an arm breaker on Darby on the floor as we go to a picture in picture commercial break. We come back and Allen tries to fight back but he's a Pele kick by Kashida. a short time later. He's able to hit a scorpion death drop but can't capitalize on the cover due to how much damage has been done to that left arm thus far. Both men rise to their feet and Allen and Kashida fire slaps off back and forth and we have Kushida Kishida land a lariat on the floor to Allen. From there, we have Darby Allen land a floating stunner on the apron to Kushida. And he sets up a chair. This is Kushida in set chair. Goes for the top rope drop kick to Kushida while he's sitting in the chair. is going to pop up and he's going to land an arm breaker on Darby Allen, and he's cranking that arm back and the referee's counting. You cannot win a championship on the floor. So Kushida gets Darby Allen back in the ring, applies the key lock followed by the hoverboard lock. Darby has his fingers interlaced to try to maintain some semblance of control. He does not want to be submitted. And we have Kevin Knight at ringside egging on Sting to throw the tower in on his guy and Sting wipes his face with set tower and throws it into the crowd Allen powers through the hoverboard lock, but Kushida sinks in the submission even deeper. Allen counters into the Last Supper for the leverage pin. Kushida cannot believe it, but he shows respect to Allen, but says he wants another crack at that championship in the not-too-distant future as the show ends with Darby Allen setting tall alongside Kushida and Sting. I thought this was a really fun main event. I love Kushida from his time in New Japan. NXT was a bit of a mixed bag, but this guy is absolutely awesome amazing in the ring and Darby Allen's second run as TNT champion is off to a very strong start with Sting being the best cheerleading uncle imaginable as he shaded Kevin Knight by wiping his sweat with that towel and threw it into the crowd as a souvenir for good measure. All in all, this was a very strong night for AEW it reminds me of the string of shows heading into revolution, fully focused and exciting And I kind of miss the themes of Road Ranger and maybe beach breaks coming, hopefully in a warmer climate, heading into midwinter. But all in all, I really enjoyed Dynamite. We needed this after the passing of Jay Briscoe a day ago, and it just felt good to watch strong wrestling from guys that were motivated to put on a really great show last night, and it was sorely needed. So As I always say, wrestling is my great escape. It is a palate cleanser from a lot of shit in this world. It's an art form I have a great deal of respect for. And we needed this last night after a rough 24 hours beforehand with the tragic passing of Jay Briscoe. Let's continue to pray for his daughters, his wife, Mark especially, and the family who is going through an unspeakable loss right now. Let's lift them up in prayer and keep them front and center of mind as more details about this car crash will be coming out in due time. And with that, this wraps up episode number 96 of the Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AW Dynamite on TBS. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media. At Little Westynx on Twitter and on Instagram at Restoptopia. they can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows. The drop in list in my daily recapping Monday Night Raw NXT AW Dynamite Friday Night SmackDown on Fox and AW Rampage on TNT. Plus, the Serena sessions dropping every Monday right here on WST as well. You know what to do. Such so Wrestltopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio. Tune in plus Amazon Alexa and Spotify. I'll be back Monday morning with episode number eight of the Sweeney Sessions. There will not be a SmackDown wind down slash AW rampage late night rager this weekend due to other obligations I got to handle, but I'll be back Monday for the sessions and Tuesday for the Raw verdict as we are celebrating 30 years of Monday Night Raw just in time for the Royal Rumble next Saturday on Peacock. Until then, enjoy your Thursday, your Friday, your Saturday, and your Sunday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.